Well, joining me now from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, is my friend Hiccuping Al Bat. Hey, Al, how's it going? <laughs> hey, it's going pretty well. And yeah, I, I apologize to everybody. I get hiccups for a little while, and I don't seem to be able to have any control of when they come or when they leave or how long they stay. So no, uh, I know that makes riveting radio. So I apologize. <laughs> this started when you started getting your cancer treatments a while back. You had them for something like fifteen days in a row, correct? Yep. Yep. And, Boy, and like a dream come true. <laughs> but but it doesn't set the record. What was the? There was a guy who had it for I don't know, years, I think. Oh uh, yeah, the fellow down in Iowa had it for oh, was it sixty some years? I want to say that he had the hiccups. He was lifting a pig. I remember that, and he got the hiccups from the oh. exertion, I guess, and they didn't go away till. They stopped and then he died. So maybe you don't want to get rid of hiccups. That might be the thing. They say, "Well, you know, we're taking your hiccups, and oh yeah, we're taking you too." I, I had I, some. I, I wanted to, to let you know some remedies that I had people sure. weigh in to try to help you out, Al, and let me know if you've tried these. I appreciate it. All right, so here's one. Gully said you take a big spoonful of mustard. He said he did that and it got rid of his his hiccups. You tried that? Uh, I've never tried that. I've never heard that one. He said cheap mustard. I said, well, was it like Grey Poupon? And he goes, nah, some cheap stuff, you know, no, and the yellow stuff. That, the cheap stuff's better anyway. It just it and, tastes better. And somebody else just texted. They said, tell Al he should have a slice of lemon with bitters dumped on it. Bartenders swear by this. I don't know what bitters are even. Do you? No, I don't. <laughs> to look it I, up. I don't, but I'm willing to give it a shot. So those are those are the the ones that people. Oh, here it says here it says it's bitters. Bitters is traditionally an alcoholic preparation flavored with botanical matter, such as the that the end result is characterized by a bitter sour bittersweet flavor. So there you go. So find a slice of lemon, dump a bunch of bitters on it, and um, then you can get drunk at the same time. Perhaps no, just kidding. Well, maybe you just drink enough scotch whiskey, and then you you really don't care after a while if you have hiccups <laughs> or not. So that might be the secret. Well, those I, are I things do. to try. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's let's chat about what what else is going on. You mentioned you did not see the solar eclipse because you were in the hospital no. and it was raining like it was here. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I, a good friend of mine, one of my best friends, went to Kearney, Nebraska to see this and he had checked on rooms in Kearney oh well over a year ago and they were fifty three dollars mm-hmm. at that time and now it was eleven hundred dollars for oh. the same room for one night Crazy. and he said some of them wanted three night minimum stay too oh so he said they were uh, a lot of people did well I guess on that I do want to thank you and your husband and your family for stopping at the Steel County Fair and for a lot of people have stopped at the Steel County Fair and say hi it was nice seeing everybody. It's a they. I think the record they had was 2013, maybe somewhere between 350 and 360 thousand attendance at the Steel County Fair. And uh, yeah, it's a county fair, folks. But man, do they pack them in there! It's just, and I don't know. You have any idea how many food vendors they have? Uh, oh well my gosh! Over 100, um, oh, it's over a hundred compared to other fairs where you know they have maybe a dozen or something. This one is it is true, truly like a mini uh, Minnesota State Fair, and and it was great to see you and Gail too. And I know your wife was so excited; she saw a caterpillar uh, come out of a chrysalis, and I couldn't believe that she'd never seen one before. 
I was shocked. Yeah, I've, I've been lucky to see them a number of times. She, um, I told her to go out, and she had the butterfly, and she found a little girl, and they went out and released one of the butterflies, and that just made my wife's day. Oh. She was just bubbly all the way home because that's how happy that little girl was of seeing that. I do want to thank everybody. I spoke at Wells Colonel Days in uh, Wells, Minnesota, and somewhere I have a, somewhere in the family annals, there's a photo of me, a little blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy, although the blue eyes didn't really show well in the black-and-white photos, wearing bib overalls and eating a, um, oh, a big cob of corn with the butter just dripping off it all over my bibs. And it didn't seem to bother me at all. But I've been going to the Colonel Days. It's a wonderful celebration of small-town Minnesota and rural Minnesota. And it's just fun being there. Also, to everybody at the Henderson Hummingbird Hurrah. I know we had a lot of listeners who were there, and it was great seeing them all. The hummingbirds are amazing. Uh, I think one of the things, I know it was the Hummingbird Hurrah, but one of the things that really excited people were the great numbers of humming or, uh, monarch butterflies there. They were just everywhere. And the secret, people always say, what's the secret to getting those? Well, of course, milkweed for the caterpillars, but blazing star for the adults. Mm-hmm. They just love blazing star. And wherever there was blazing star, if you're in Henderson, stop at the Hummingbird Garden there. Henderson's a wonderful place. Go to Tootie's, have ice cream. It's just a great little town. I shouldn't say little town. It's a lot bigger than Heartland, but it's a great place to be. But all the monarch butterflies, people were, everybody was running around with a camera of some sort or another taking photos. And also the Lakeview Lions Club for letting me be a, a part of their annual bash. And also, I need to say, I am in the hospital in Alberta, and I want to thank everybody here. They have been so kind. And the folks in the kitchen and the cafeteria, the food here is amazing. I know we tend to pick on hospital food, but my gosh, this is great stuff. I had a nice skillet with bacon for breakfast, and oof, it was so good. Uh, before I came in here, I uh, I walked outside one recent morning. My shoes quickly became soaked from a heavy dew, and I'd listened to the weather possibilities on the radio. Said rain was in the forecast, and I recall a number of sayings about dew. And one was if three nights dewless rain, you're sure to see. So if we have three nights without any dew, it's probably going to rain. And if a heavy dew soon dries, expect fine weather. And if it lingers on the grass, then you expect rain in 24 hours. So if you have a really heavy dew and it dries right away, man, you're going to have just the nicest day. But if it lingers, expect rain in 24 hours, which is what happened on that day. Uh, With dew before midnight, the next day sure will be bright. And if you wet your feet with dew in the morning, you may keep them dry for the rest of the day. Uh, Mary Furlaman of Albert Lee said, how dumb are turkeys? <laughs> uh, I told Mary, oh. so they're about like men, and she said, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> she has some feeders in her backyard, and there's a little fence around her yard, and she said the turkeys can just, they don't even fly over the fence. They just kind of jump over it. But each morning they come in there, and then they pace like a tiger in a zoo cage, 
back and forth and back and forth. She said, do they forget how they got in there? And Yeah, I don't know. I, they got a lot of things on their minds, you know, so they got to be out there and figure out how to do that. And um, so maybe they're just thinking, well, maybe there's a hole here that wasn't here yesterday. We should check this out. And then they see the other turkey on the feeder, and then they probably panic a little bit because they're missing on that food. <clears throat> Carl of uh, Morristown, who's a uh, a listener, and I appreciate that, Carl, he stopped at the Steel County Fair and talked to me about he saw luna moth on a mulberry tree. Luna moths are these beautiful, large, green moths that just take your breath away. And he said, uh, I heard you uh, talk about... Um, Spotted touch me not, which is another one. It's called jewelweed. Also, hummingbirds like them. They're kind of orange. You see them kind of in uh, areas that have wet feet. And when I was a little boy, when we get a rash of some kind, we get the spotted touch me not, and we'd smash it all up, <laughs> and we'd rub it on like aloe vera. Okay. And uh, I think it really helped. And Carl says he's found the same thing to be true. So. I'm surprised there aren't uh, somebody selling things of, you know, because there's, there's a concoction of almost everything out there somewhere. Uh, as far as uh, you get up in Alaska and there's devil's clubs and all these things, plants that they make into lotions. Uh, Paul Schwab, who uh, uh, both Karen and I had the treasure of visiting with, he's just a wonderful guy. Paul, Jerry, uh, Paul, or Gary, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, he confused me. <laughs> He's going through uh, some back injury. He was a MnDOT driver, and he got hit by somebody that just wasn't paying attention. And uh, folks, man, there's so many MnDOT workers out there now. Just be really careful. They're doing good things for us. We want good roads. But Paul lives in Owatonna, and he and I are longtime friends. And he told me that people, as you mentioned, often call him Gary or Jerry. And he reckons it because he looks like Gary or Jerry. And I know many men named Gary or Jerry, but I'm still not quite sure what a Gary or a Jerry looks like. I guess they look like a Paul, I guess. <laughs> uh, Rita Granson of Mason City said uh, she went out to Union Slough. Union Slough is a beautiful place by Bancroft, Iowa, where I've seen more wood ducks than I've seen anywhere else in my life. Uh, she said there's Hudsonian godwits, Wilson phalaropes, redneck phalaropes, a merlin is terrorizing a few of the thousands of shorebirds there. Uh, Betty Lucas, who is also from Mason City, said she's starting to see a few more warblers trickling through. Uh, Chestnut-sided and black and white, these are guys that are migrating south. Uh, Golden wing, Blackburnian, uh, northern water thrush. She said blue grosbeaks are singing there. Uh, sound like they're territorial, and the female is carrying food. So still got some fledglings apparently there. She said uh, they have a couple boxes of bluebirds that just fledged, and they have one box that's about a week away from fledging. <clears throat> a neighbor down the road, Jerry Victoria, and Jerry's address would be Allendale. He was in Wichita, Kansas, and I like Wichita. I've been there a number of times. And he said he went to the Via Christi Hospital St. Francis. They kind of have a little park area outside the hospital. And he went there and saw 20,000 purple martins, he said, at least. 
and there'll be an estimated high after he left of 50,000 50, purple martins. So they are um, gathering. It's, it's a downtown area where this hospital is, and the birds pour into uh, a line of ornamental trees just east of the hospital, around dusk. And um, Jerry said there's like 100 people there watching all these things. And these martins are are staging for a migration to Brazil. And most are gone by August 20th, so they're gone pretty much by now. But the birds have spent their summers in nesting houses put up by people as far north as southern Canada. Some of the juveniles probably fledged a few days before they started the migration. And again, that'll take them to Brazil. Uh, Jerry asked why they're all doing there, and I am speculating, but I think there's probably a a high population of dragonflies in the Wichita area, and that helps and attract and to hold these migrating purple martins because they love eating them. And then they probably feel secure nesting in towns and well-lit areas where predators aren't uh, much of a problem. Uh, Donna Swenson of Wasika, I heard from her. She was traveling in North Dakota out by Devil's Lake in the prairie pothole regions. And she said there's just little wetlands everywhere. What uh, what caused them and why are they here? Well, it was uh, once the largest expanse of grassland in the world, the Great Plains of North America. And its name comes from a geological phenomenon as far as the prairie pothole part of it that left its mark beginning, wow, when were glaciers? 10,000 years ago? Who knows? And when the glaciers from the last ice age receded, they left behind millions of shallow depressions that are now wetlands, and they're known as prairie potholes because they're round like a pot. Depressions often filled with snow melt and water in the spring, especially in wetter years. And the potholes are rich in plant and aquatic life and support globally significant populations of breeding waterfowl. It's often referred to as a duck factory. And it's a great place if you're a birder or just enjoy looking at the nature. And if you like fishing, Devil's Lake's a great place to go fishing. <clears throat> Steph Altflish, and Steph is from Albert Lee, said, Al, what would this be? Small bird, rusty cap, black stripe through the eye, no streaks on the breast. Um, that's great. You, Steph is sort of like a Joe Friday thing on uh, Dragnet, just a fax. Um, she said there were lots of them on the feeder, but most on the ground underneath. And they're, again, one of my favorite birds. Those are chipping sparrows. And they sound like an insect chipping away out there. And I think they're just lovely little sparrows. And I know folks tend to throw them in the same pot as with house sparrows. House sparrows are actually weaver finches, uh, come here from uh, UK. Uh, these guys are our native sparrows. So we have native sparrows and then we have house sparrows. Um, oh, and I didn't put the name down and I'm sorry. Uh, someone told me that goldenrod doesn't cause my hay fever. Mm -hmm. I have terrible hay fever. I've blamed goldenrod for it all my life. Is this guy right? You know, once in a while, guys are right. It's uh, <laughs> not very often, so we like to circle that, maybe put a little star by it. 
You know, when people start to sneeze and wheeze in late summer and early fall, you can see it. Boy, they have those red, watery eyes. And they look off, what do they see? They see goldenrod, this beautiful, showy, and very common plant. And its beauty brings tears to their eyes. And they immediately place the blame for their problems on the goldenrod. They said, that's the stuff that's doing it. Nope. And our allergic reactions are often the result of breathing air that contains pollen grains. And goldenrod has pollen. The pollen we breathe in, however, comes from plants that rely on the wind to transport their pollen from flower to flower. And these wind-pollinated plants make a tremendous amount of pollen because they want to increase the chances that some of their pollen grains will find a proper home. In contrast, plants that are insect-pollinated tend to create a, a much heavier pollen grain that isn't picked up by the wind. And these plants rely on bees and other insects to carry their pollen, and, and because of that, they have these showy, colorful flowers to attract these pollinators. So goldenrod is an insect-pollinated species. So we don't need to be Sherlock Holmes to tell us that the goldenrod isn't the culprit for our miseries. Uh, the Moriarty, in this case, is ragweed. And ragweed is everywhere. We have giant ragweed and we have common ragweed. Giants get really tall. They have inconspicuous kind of greenish flowers, greenish-yellow but they produce these massive quantities of pollen which are released in the wind for transport. And if you get in its way, you suffer the symptoms of hay fever and allergies. So, And I do not suffer from that. I just suffer from hiccups. But <laughs> I know many people that do, and it's just uh, they look like they're just miserable when they're outside. And, and what a terrible thing. Anything that keeps us indoors is a tough thing. Uh, Susan Flowers, who listens from uh, somewhere in Georgia near Atlanta, and she asked this uh, the day before yesterday. So this was before the eclipse. She said, Al, do you think birds in general will alter their behaviors with a solar eclipse? Huh. I read a few articles, but most are what they think might happen. Uh, Susan, that's a great question. I, to be honest, I never even thought about it. I'm just a dumb guy here. I just put a little cartoon bubble above my head that says, duh. Uh, I don't think it had any, uh, much if any, impact. The only thing I could think of it was maybe birds are migrating and it got dark. They'd say, whoa, I don't know what the deal here is. But the eclipse would not have been of a duration long enough for any stalling and migration. So, uh, Susan, that's a great question, and um, I wish I'd have thought of it. Al, but, speaking uh, of I, questions about the eclipse, I was listening to, a, 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 as I was driving, I uh, heard another radio station, folks talking, it was actually public uh, Minnesota Public Radio, where the announcer was talking about, you know, the live coverage of the eclipse, and somebody saying when it went dark, all of a sudden they could hear the cicadas. The cicadas come out. I, I've always found that cicadas... Um, come out in when it's light. I I don't think cicadas do it in the dark, do they? I think it was maybe crickets, or am I mixed up? Yeah, they'd be. Uh, I'm sure they're talking about crickets. That's more what than I likely, wanted. Cause, yeah, and uh, when I was in Henderson on Saturday, the scissor grinder cicadas were just. And th this is a cicada that kind of sings during the the noon 
mid part of the day they come out and sing during that heat and they really sing and when i was a boy uh there used to be a guy every couple years he'd show up he had an old beat-up pickup like uh oh john steinbeck you know john's was probably a nice pickup and travels with charlie but this guy just traveled around the country and he had a kind of a camp run and he'd open it up and he'd say hey my mom would come out and he said sharpen your scissors sharpen your knife (laughs) and he would always do one for free and mom would get it sharpened and you know you could cut tin cans in half with them because they'd be so sharp then and then for the rest he would charge of course but he had that scissors grinder and i would sit there and watch him and these scissor grinder cicadas sound like that scissor grinder that that fellow whose name I wish I could remember because he was always nice and it it sounded just like that uh, and they were singing during the day and then where I live I hear pretty much annual cicadas or dog day cicadas it's the same cicada but they do this long whining thing long whining sound and uh, again when i was a boy before all the telephone wires went underground mm-hmm. they were above and on hot days they would whine just this that's the dog day cicada and it's aptly named because they become very very vocal at the time of the dog days are you hiccuping? Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> He's trying to I think they were talking about crickets singing at night. That's what I was wondering because I thought, you know, I, I've only heard cicadas during the day, and my son loves to run from tree to tree and, and catch those buggers and, and see them. But, yeah, and some people, folks have said they haven't heard as many cicadas this year. Uh, they kind of go in cycles, don't they? Some of them at least. They do indeed, and I, I would agree with them. Other than those uh, scissor grinders in Henderson, boy, they were just everywhere, but... At our place, I do not hear as many cicadas this year as uh, I have for the last oh, great number of years. I see some uh, cicada killer wasps, the big wasps flying around, so they're certainly picking off some of them and, and laying their eggs in them so they can have more cicada killer wasps in the future. So it, it's a boy. It's a jungle out there. It's not safe being a cicada. There's always something wants to eat you or paralyze you and lay eggs in you. So that egg will hatch like a character from the movie Aliens, where the head pops out and it's a it's a new wasp. But I I watched one in a little sandy area, cicada killer wasp female, which are much bigger than the males. The males have no stingers, but they're the ones that fly up in her face and say, "Get out of here." Uh, the females could sting you, but I've, I've been around them a lot, and they've never come close to stinging me. But she had four cicadas, and she's trying to stuff them into that hole in the sand, and she can't get them in there because the hole wasn't big enough. And then she'd throw it down, and then she flew off, I'm assuming, to get another cicada to try again. I tried to tell her, I said, just make the hole a little bigger, and they'll go in there. Why would she want four if it's a male egg, he gets one cicada because he's smaller. The female's big, so she'll get two, maybe three cicadas because so she needs to eat a lot. And uh, so that's why they get a number of them down in there. 
But it was fun watching her drag that thing. She tried to fly with one of the cicadas. Cicada weighed probably about as much as she did. So she'd fly up in the air and then flop down the ground and drag it for a while. And I could have spent all day just watching that uh, that wasp at work. But I thought, you know, maybe I should be a human at work and actually do something, <laughs> too. So I had to, had to kind of toddle off to do something else. But... Uh, it, there's so many interesting things out there, and I watched a cricket hunter, too, which is a black wasp, and they do kind of the same thing, only they use crickets. So this wasp was running on the ground. She had a cricket uh, clasped to her underside and just going both lickety and split just across the ground, and uh, this was all in one little area, and I said, there's there's just so much interest out there. I know one year we did for the kids in school, we went out and they each adopted one square foot of ground. And each day for a little while, they would go out and write down what was going on that square foot of ground. There were a lot of, you know, there were some tiger beetles even we saw, but a lot of ant activity and flies and they would describe the flies. And it was just a great project. And the kids got it to, they got a little bit of uh, like ownership in that square foot of land and they wanted to make sure that the anthill in their square foot of land did well you know they wanted they liked that anthill better than the neighboring anthill so so it was it was a fun thing to do and uh, man kids are kids are amazing i think the world we all we tend on picking on uh, the younger generation cuz i guess that must be our job i don't know why we do but uh, I think we're in pretty good hands. Kids are exceptionally smart. Well, and I, just, uh, I think my son is a lot like you when he when you were little, Al, because he sits and he observes anthills, and he goes around the yard watching them. He catches queen ants, and, and he tries to find things to feed them. So yesterday he was excited when on the underside of milkweed, some the traditional um, milkweed, there were a whole bunch of yellow spots, and I determined it must be aphids because there was a little green one coming out. Do they typically lay eggs under milkweed leaves? Or they might be the aphids themselves, too, at a real young age. Okay. And then the ants, ants kind of, that's their herd, and they get honeydew from the aphids, so well, they're like little uh, dairy farmers. Yeah, I was wondering. He, my son started telling me about that. I thought the ants would eat the aphids, but he says, oh, no, they don't eat them. No. He says they, they heard them, and I, I was thinking, what in the world is he talking about? He's exactly right. That's like livestock to the ants. So they need to take real good care, and they're there to protect them and make sure nothing gets the aphids. So sometimes I know I go and look at her milkweeds and I move a little bit, and oh, they get all agitated. You know, they all come running saying, get out of here, go away. And so it's um, it's kind of cool. They have a bodyguard. But but they aren't I, helping me in the garden, though, because the ants are not no. killing them. So I Because I told them, I said, well, I'm going to take this leaf and drown <laughs> the aphids. He goes, no, no, the ants need them. And I said, mm, but That's they're eating. Right. Yeah, but they're eating my plants, so... I guess who wins, oh. huh? You know. <laughs> and a lot of aphids this year. It's been a good aphid year uh, in the crops and in gardens and everywhere else. I hope everyone will come to the cafe today where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always Heimlich Maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food than real cup holders. Where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. We're talking about Paul Schwab, who everybody calls 
Jerry or Jerry, and my name is Alan, A-L-L-E-N, and it fits me. I can't imagine carrying another moniker. And I imagine the naming process between my parents. My mother had obtained a dog-eared book of baby names from an aunt. Names had been circled and underlined by who knows who in the process of coming up with a perfect name for other bats, as well as Weston's Cooks, Cooks with a C and Cooks with a K, Soonstrom's and other relatives. My father was an avid reader, but it didn't carry over to books of baby names. He explained his thoughts kindly yet firmly to my mother. Look, we have no rich relatives to name him after, so that makes the process more difficult. I'm willing to choose a name from this book, but it has to begin with an A. I don't want to read any more than that. And it has to be the name of no one we know. I don't want to burden anyone. And they settled on Alan. No one (laughs) they knew carried the name, so it brought no baggage. I hope your name fits you today. Uh, folks, remember, Heartlands, while we're driving past, do something wild there. Get out and look at a bird today. And, Karen, thank you so much. And thank you, everybody. You are the most wonderful listeners on the world and for putting up with my hiccups. Al, now, are you telling me that talking with me for a half an hour or whatever we chatted did not cure your hiccups? <laughs> no, no, oh, I shoot. still have them. Yeah, but, you know, sooner or later they'll go away. It's just like... It's like winter. We really can't enjoy the warmth unless we experience the cold. So I guess maybe I really can't ex- enjoy not having hiccups without having hiccups. Well, here's here's my suggestion. Go to the cafe where you can down a tablespoon of just plain old mustard and see if Gully's Cure works. I will try that. I just I like mustard, so I'm plenty good. My my sister Georgiana used to make me mustard and sugar sandwiches. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they were bad. I, she, well, my I sister used to take a piece punishment. of. Oh, I was gonna say my sister used to take a piece of white bread, slather it with mustard, and then dump salt all over. You know, salt it, and that was her sandwich. So oh. apparently, uh, oh. you, your sister, and mine had similar um, things to, about mustard. Except you, yours wanted sweet, and mine wanted salty. Yeah, on Wonder Bread. Yes, it was. <laughs> anyway, uh, probably won't see you at the cafe because you're you're still at Albert Lee in the the hospital. I am. I'm hoping to get out uh, today, tomorrow. Who knows? But soon, I hope. Well, uh, wishing you the best. Hoping you're feeling good and hoping those hiccups go away. And we'll hopefully chat with you next week without the hiccups. All right. I look forward to it. Thanks, Karen. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Our good friend Albat. Suffering the hiccups still. Well, let's hope something works for him.